The Jets played spoilers in a 16-10 upset over the Steelers on Sunday. We talk about them winning five of their last seven as they head into their final game of the year with New York Post football columnist Mark Canizero. We also are joined by six-time Pro Bowler, former Jets receiver Brandon Marshall. All that and more next on Gangs All Here with the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome to Gangs All Here, a New York Jets podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host and Jets beat writer, Brian Costello. You can follow me on Twitter, at Brian Cos. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. We are joined today by Mark Canizero and Brandon Marshall. Let's get the show going. Happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everyone, all the listeners out there. The Jets gave Jets fans a present on Sunday with a 16-10 win over the Steelers. It wasn't always pretty. But, you know, at six and nine, I don't think any Jets can complain about uh, a win. A win is a win. Uh, They played some great defense and the offense did just enough to get this win against a Steelers team who had everything to play for. And the Jets really have nothing to play for right now. So I thought it spoke to spoke highly of the Jets and of Adam Gase that they came out and played the way they did on Sunday Uh, in the locker room after the game. A lot of the talk was about what this can mean going forward. Obviously, there's no postseason coming in two weeks for the Jets. So. You know, what does a win mean like this? Talk about, oh, you know, things are, are looking better. The the ship is going in the right direction. Le'Veon Bell was saying it has turned. Uh, Jamal Adams and Sam Darnold both said this team is close. You know, sometimes these late season wins and, and the way the season ends is a mirage. I can remember 2013 with Rex Ryan. That team uh, finished the season strong and they brought him back. And then the next season was 4-12. and 12. The difference here, I think, is uh, the Jets have a structure right now of Adam Gase and Joe Douglas that they're they're aligned. You know, Idzik and Rex weren't aligned back then. I think this, you know, this is the first step this season towards building what they want. And Joe Douglas hasn't even gotten an offseason yet to, you know, help this roster and build this roster. So I, I do buy into this idea that, you know, the way they're finishing the season could carry over into 2020. Um, they got a lot of young players on this team. Those guys are, are seeing this. They're, they're experiencing wins in December, which is important. Something I talked to Steve McClendon about the other day. Winning, you got to learn how to win in December before you can become a playoff team. So, you know, I, I think this is all positive for the Jets. And now they go to Buffalo next week, and who knows what they'll face in the Bills. The Bills are locked in as a number five seed in the playoffs. So they could rest a lot of their guys if they choose to do so next Sunday or they could start some and, and take them out after a little while. So you might not see Josh Allen for four quarters. So the Jets might find their way to seven and nine, which is pretty remarkable uh, when you consider that this team was one and seven. You know, I can remember we're going to talk to Mark Canizero in this podcast. And I can remember sitting with Mark in Jacksonville after that loss. And that was when they were one and six and we had dinner together after the game. And I said, can, you know, this team is going to go one and 15. And he said, no, no, they're not. No, they're not. But I, like that night, it felt like there was no way this team was going to win another game because they played so poorly. And, and if you remember that October stretch, how bad it was, and then losing in Miami the following week, it's pretty remarkable that they've been able to go 5-2 and two in the second half of the season. And, you know, they've salvaged something from this season. And, I, you know, I know Jets fans are not in love with Adam Gase. I get it. I know this offense isn't great right now. 
but you also have to look at what what's out there on offense. They're playing Vincent Smith at wide receiver, Daniel Brown and Trayvon Wesco at tight end. Connor McDermott was at guard today. You know, they basically have a second string player at center, second string player, both guards. And Brandon Shell was a second string player at one point this season when they benched him for Adoga. So, you know, there's not a lot to work with personnel wise right now. And, you know, even though they didn't put up big numbers Sunday, it was exactly what the game plan should have been. They ran the ball a lot. They tried to, you know, limit the mistakes. Donald didn't throw it around. He, you know, he had the one turnover was a fumble, but that was the key to this game for the Jets. They did not want to give the Steelers offense a short field because they knew the Steelers offense probably couldn't march 80 yards down the field against the Jets defense, but they could probably march 40 yards. And they did on that one play, they turned it over. So I thought it was a good game plan overall. And they executed it. It wasn't flashy. It wasn't pretty. But, you know, the Jets got the win. So I, I think that's the bottom line. I want to welcome in now my colleague, Mark Canizero. Follow Mark on Twitter, at Mark Canizero. And you can read his columns in the Post and at nypost.com. Can, you were a few seats down from me at the 16-10 win over the Steelers. What, uh, what were your biggest takeaways from, from this Jets win over Pittsburgh? Cause my takeaways were um, it was very positive that they won. I know Jet fans will, you know, everybody's worried about the draft picks and all that kind of stuff. But you know, I see a team that was one and seven, you know, seven eight weeks ago, and they've won five out of the last seven. They're going to go to Buffalo on Sunday against a Bills team that doesn't need that game, so it's very highly possible they might not even play starters, and maybe the starters play a half or something like that. It's possible the Jets can finish seven and nine. And if you had asked a Jet fan at the beginning of the year, I don't think they would have been extremely angry at 7-9. and nine. There were a lot of people that weren't sure they were going to have a winning record. There were certainly some optimists that thought maybe they'd be in the hunt for a playoff berth. But, um, you know, I saw, the, I saw a team that played a gritty game today. Um, it wasn't pretty. None of them are, is artistic. You know, we haven't seen very many artistic Jets game. I think maybe, really maybe there's <laughs> been maybe a one or two of these games that have been you know, the Dallas game comes to mind. They played pretty well um, yeah. when Sam Oakland. came back from the mono. Yeah. But I, I think that this game, you know, it's funny. There was a moment in that game, and I'm not sure if you addressed it before, but the uh, the pass that hung in the air um, that uh, Marcus made into the end zone in, the, in late in the fourth quarter that Marcus May ended up making a great play on in the end zone. And I, Jordan Jenkins, as we know, the Jets linebacker probably had the best quarter of the day. He basically said, holy bleep, you know. Yeah. They saw the ball in the air. I think I think any of us that have watched these <laughs> Jets over the years, you, myself, our, our fellow columnist, Mike Vaccaro, we were all kind of joking in our cynical sports right away, you know, how are the Jets going to blow this? You know, it's 13-10, it's 16-10, like a lose 17-16. Who's going to score the winning touchdown for, the, you know, uh, you know, for uh, um, against the Jets? And I, and I that ball hung in the air, and you kind of just thought <laughs> it was going to be a completion, and yeah. And the Steelers are going to go away and win the game 17-16. And it didn't happen that, that way. I mean, Marcus May made a, made a great interception earlier in the game in the, in the end zone, um, knocked the ball away and essentially saved the game for the Jets. And they just they play like a team that still wants to win. And, and I give them credit. Uh, you and I are a little bit on different ends of the spectrum. I'm more of a you know, the positive guy, and you're a little more of a pessimist. Um you know, I give them credit for what they did today. It did look great at times. I mean, they got two turnovers and got them with three and out after both of them. Um, you know, which which certainly could have could have and should have potentially cost them. Yeah. But at the end of the day, 
you know, they, they did what they had to do. Um, and I credit him for it. You know, I mean, if people want to poke holes in the fact that they won five out of seven and who they beaten, you know, I didn't see anybody poking holes when the Patriots went eight no and they were beat, beating a bunch of tomato cans early in the year. You play who you play, and you beat who you beat, and you lose who you lose to. And if the Jets win on Sunday, they finish the season winning six out of eight. And, you know, all right, it was most of it garbage time when they were out of it. I get it. But um, I think you have to look at this team as a team that's, you know, developing, and it's a team that's been without a ton of starters. Uh, today was what the eight. There was the tenth offensive line combination in fifteen games this year. Eight uh, offensive line played, combination, so. tenth different starting offensive line in eighth combination. But yeah, I I agree. I said in the open, Ken, that I can remember after the Jacksonville game, you and I sitting at dinner that night, and I said this team's going to go one and fifteen, and you were like, no, yeah. they're not, no, they're not. But like it felt like that with those losses, you know, when they lost New England on the Monday night, then they followed that up with Jacksonville, and then they followed that up with the loss in Miami. So, like, I think it's pretty remarkable that they've been able to put this together and possibly go 7-9. and nine, um, It is. With the rock they have, you know. And listen, I mean, Adam Gase was getting fried at 1-7 and seven by, by, by you, know, yeah. you know, most of, you know, the Jet fans and, and many, many of the media – and I'm not saying in any way that this guy's done some kind of great job this year, but you have to give this guy credit. I, I mean, we're in that locker room all the time, okay? We we talk to players on off the record, you know. Some guys we're close with might have conversation with, you know, not for print. And you can mm-hmm. always – you can get a feel in the locker room when there's discord. And I have not, you know, I've not yeah. felt discord in that locker room. I, I haven't felt – I've been in a lot of locker rooms, a lot of jet locker rooms and a lot of other locker rooms that – you know, guys are sniping each other behind their back and, you know, and rolling their eyes and, you know, and I'm not saying it's complete harmony, but, you know, I mean, every team's got guys who, you know, have differences, but I never, I've not heard any, a whisper from one and seven on from anybody that was bitching yeah. and moaning. And I wrote my column tonight, today, you know, tonight for, you know, for, for Monday's paper on, on Le'Veon Bell. And I think, you know, I think Bell, who was kind of a, one of the few stars on this team, you know, you have to credit him, I think, as being a, a large part of the fact that that locker room didn't fracture because that was a guy who came in here and a lot of people thought would be a diva and uh, and all about himself who could have bitched and moaned about the offensive line play being horrible and all that kind of stuff. And he always, you know, he's just, as as we've now, now gotten to know him, he's an upbeat kind of guy anyway. And yeah. I think that, that, you know, that's been a big part of not let you know not having that locker room fracture as well. When, you know, when the, when the younger guys are looking at the star who many might expect to be bitching and moaning, not bitching yeah. and moaning. And, uh, yeah. you know, I think that all of that plays into, you know, I think that's really helped Adam Gase a lot too in that locker room. Cause you know, the coach only has so much control on those rooms. Yeah. And you know, there was a anonymous quote surfaced this week. I don't know if you saw this on bleacher report, uh, Matt Miller, their draft guy wrote, he had a quote from some jets player saying Gase had lost the locker room, an anonymous quote. And, you know, something about his tough guy act didn't work. I, I can't remember the exact quote. I read it and I'm like, I have not heard that. And like you, like you said, you can sense it. We were just talking to, we talked to Brandon Marshall on this podcast in 2016. There was a lot of that going on, sniping behind each other's backs and a lot of unhappiness. But you know, I, I, what fans might not understand, especially about a football team, there's 53 players on the active roster. There's 10 guys on the practice squad. There's about 18 other guys who are on injured reserve. So you have about 80 guys. You probably Absolutely. can find one or you can find one or two that don't like Adam Gase. I'm not going to tell hey, you. Listen, everyone loves I don't Adam like. Gase. I don't like you, for God's sake. I don't like <laughs> Serby, but I work with but, you guys, right? But the idea but, that this, no, listen, this that's, a, that's a great that's a great point, Brian, and it's true. Yeah. 
And listen, I'll give you a great example of that. A few weeks ago when, when Jamal Adams had one of his really terrific games, I can't remember which game, they won't blend it together. He had a really, really good game, just a you know, yeah. couple sacks or whatever it was. And, uh, um, you know, I remember you know, talking to Jordan Jenkins about Jamal afterwards. And Jordan, Jordan's a pretty straight shooter, as we, know, as we yeah. both know. And Jordan is pretty clear. Like, you know, Jordan, there's a lot of guys in that locker room that don't like, you know, Jamal's a lot about Jamal, and, and he's about the team, yeah. too. But Jamal, you know, he's got a, he's got an ego, and he likes to chat. You know, he's he's a little little chatty, and that doesn't work with some players. You know, that just doesn't fit their personalities. But every one of those guys in that locker room, including Jordan, who did mention, he said, "Listen, Jamal talks a lot, but you know what? If he's going to make plays like that, he can talk, he can all, talk he wants. all he wants." Yeah, right. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. but my my point being there, Jamal, you know, that's not a great personality mix, maybe for some guys in that locker room who are a little bit more low-key or more humble or whatever, however you want to put the label on it. But they do know that Jamal is a guy that plays his ass off every week, and, and he's a heartbeat of that yeah. defense and, really, frankly, the entire team. And so, you, you know, you, you work around that stuff, you know. You realize with the benefit. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, guys, you know, you might not like the guy's personality. As you said, there's 80 guys, you know, they, especially this team. Yeah. They've, they've been running guys through who <laughs> we never even heard of in training camp that are now playing yeah. prominent roles. So, yes, it, 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 that's going to happen anywhere. But I, this Matt Miller guy, I mean, first of all, I wouldn't know if he was standing in front of me. So I don't know how many times he's been actually in the jet locker room. You may know him a little bit. Um, I don't. I don't know, this whole don't, whispers yeah. thing and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I, I mean, you're in that locker room more than I am. You know, I'm, I'm bounced between yeah. the Jets and the Giants. You know, but I'm in there a pretty decent amount. And I know a few of the guys pretty well in there. And I have not heard anything about Adam Gase losing that locker room in any manner. No. No, and I thought that he could have. I mean, in the middle of the season, right now, I think he's kind of stabilized things. So, but Ken, I, I appreciate you joining us tonight. I'll see you um, in Florham Park. I'm assuming this week, and I'll definitely be with you next week in Buffalo, where we wrap up another Jet season. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't snow on us in Buffalo. Well, I just open for easy travel is all I'm looking for. Easy travel and a good football game on Sunday. Maybe a good meal Saturday night too. All right. Well, that will def that that will definitely happen. All right. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, guys. I'd like to welcome in now former Jets wide receiver Brandon Marshall. Was with the Jets in 2015 and 16. You can see him on Showtime on Inside the NFL. He's all over the place. Brandon, thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Brandon was a, a fun guy to cover when he was with the Jets. He always had a lot of energy and a lot of interesting answers. Um but, you know, Brandon, from what you've seen this year of the Jets, what's what are your overall thoughts on where the Jets are? I know you went to a practice earlier this month and watched the practice and got to talk to some of the guys and the coaches. You know, where, what do you think about where this 2019 Jets team is at? Man, oh, man. Well, first, thanks, B, for having me, man. It was an honor to be able to work with you um, just off, of, off the air. We were just talking about – you know, those days where you were the only one out there covering the team, you know, Thanksgiving and the dedication. So I um, always admire your work ethic and appreciate you having me on your show. I appreciate that. Well, so let me ask, to answer your question, let's start with this, man. Um, uh, it's like that high school girlfriend, man, that's just like, you know, it's that puppy love, you know, you're in this relationship with this person and – you know, you, you know nothing about dating. You're just way too young, right? So the emotional roller coaster up and down, up and down. That's how I feel about the Jets season, man. I feel like I'm dating this 
you know, this this girl in high school, and it's just it's just all over the place. You know, you come into this year, you know, with high hopes, thinking that this team has the pieces and the coaching staff to be able to deliver, uh, and, and then this happens, right? And then you start dealing with injuries, and then, you know, things start getting out of the organization, out of the locker room that, you know, make it seem like it's breaking down. Uh, and then you got, you know, a game or two where it's like, oh, man, maybe this is a team that can can deliver. And the last couple of weeks is, you know, you know, wow, this team could possibly end this year on a high note and go into the off season, you know, with confidence and come back to twenty twenty and uh take us on this emotional emotional roller coaster again, right? Because what they're doing yeah. now and what they did today, it's like, man, okay, all right, they have the pieces they need uh to really win and win big and especially when you look at where the New England Patriots are at, right? They've owned the division for forever. And, uh, you, you know, it looks like that's coming to an end. Um, so we'll see, man. I, I'm i excited about what they have. But, again, it's the New York Jets, man. It's a roller coaster. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you mentioned kind of carrying over to 2020. Now, I was saying earlier on the podcast, I've heard that a lot through the years from teams and, Mm-hmm. It doesn't always happen. Um, do you like? Do you really believe? Do you believe, or have you been part of teams where the way season ends can help the team the following year? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, it's you know, it's in it's week to week and it's year to year, yeah. right? Um, it's what you do every single day determines what's going to happen, right? So that starts yeah. now. It starts in the off season, and you just got to continue that. You, you can't pick and choose when you want to be great. You can't pick and choose when you want to make the right decision. Um, but the good thing about the Jets is this. If a guy who I really like, all right, but if he can get better, the Jets will have a chance. He is a really good coach, but there's some, there's some things he needs to tweak, and that's Adam Gates, right? Right. Um, the interesting, the interesting thing about him, the things that the media kills him for, is actually the things that, that can make him a really good coach. Because you got to have a, a strong personality and a, mm-hmm. a, a strong tone and and mental fortitude to be a New York Jets head coach. Okay, so if he can have yeah. an amazing off season, I really believe next year is going to be good. The reason why? Because you have a quarterback that wants to be coached, you have a quarterback that has all the tools. You have a, you have a couple of receivers. You have a running back. Clean up the offensive line. And then you have some pieces on defense that can really make a defense special. So with that, you have everything you need. Uh, and I think it comes down to coach, who I believe will get it right, make the right decisions, tweak some things offensively, clean up the offensive line, and uh, next year will be fun. Now, now, some of the listeners might not know, Brandon, that your history with Adam Gase, you played for him in Denver when he was your position coach. He was a wide receivers coach. How was that relationship then? What did you think about playing for him? And then what do you think of him now um, when you see him as a head coach and when, you, when you're at practice a few weeks ago watching it? Well, when, when I was uh, – <clears throat> When I was in Denver and he was my wide receiver coach, that was uh, 
Josh McDaniel's first year as head coach. Right. He was awesome, man. Uh, Josh didn't give the position coach a, a lot of uh, room to really be creative, so I didn't see that then. So I was actually kind of surprised as his career start to go, get going and start hearing about this guy being this offensive guru. But as far as the people skills, he was like one of the coolest coaches I've ever played with. He understood uh, each guy. He met each guy where they're at. Uh, so I'm really proud of him to see, you know, the other side, you know, how he's really becoming one of the brightest minds in our game. Um, through the years, I've been able to stay in contact with him. I thought he did a hell of a job at Miami. I thought uh, ownership and management uh, hurt hurt him a lot. Um, yeah. But when he, you see what he was able to do um, when he was there, turn that thing around, which I thought, you know, would be extremely hard to do. Um, but yeah, I think he's a great coach. You know, there's some things I, 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 you know, I would like to see him change. I'll keep those things between he and I. But, um, you know, he's a guy that continues to grow and learns every single year. So I, I'm excited about his future. You were with the Jets in 2016 when Robbie Anderson signed as an undrafted guy. And I don't know if you were like me. I remember Robbie, you know, almost immediately, like just his speed just jumped out at you how fast this guy was. And, but what, there's plenty of fast guys come through, but he, he was unique. And um, now he's kind of grown into this receiver. I know you, you have a really good relationship with him and you've, you guys have worked out in the off seasons together. What, what do you think of the receiver that Robbie has become um, in his fourth season? You know what? He's not complete yet. He's not complete yet. And uh, we have a lot of work to do. I talk to Robbie every single, every single week. And, um, you know, we, we talk about, you know, every single situation that he could, he's in, he could possibly find himself in. And I just love where he's at right now. But when it comes to him as a wide receiver, um, you know, I think the team and Sam is still figuring out exactly how to use him uh, mm -hmm. because he's a monster. He's a beast. And that says a lot because you have this guy with with this rare talent. He's this skinny guy that's super fast, but he he goes up and he gets the ball like he's a big guy. Um, you know, but I want to see him do a little bit more. I want to see him be utilized a little bit more uh, in different situations. I know. When I was there, Adam was telling me a lot about the different ways he's trying to get him the ball and different positions yeah. he's putting him in, which which was excellent to hear. Um, but I want to see more of Robbie. I want to see Robbie be a 1,500-yard receiver, and he's capable of doing that. And I also want to see the Jets step up and keep him. Uh, it would be a shame to see him in another uniform. You know, they're going to have to – they know the potential. They know how good he is. Um and they also know, you know, there's some things where he can get better at. But with that being said, we need to keep him. Um, he, we need to keep him a Jet. Um, so I'm excited for Robbie's future, and I don't want to see him leave. Yeah, well, if you're working with him, that's good news. Because I'll say this: like you, you said something about my work ethic. Like your work ethic, work ethic was amazing to watch, too. And like when you, when I watch receiver drills, like there's two guys I've covered that when I watched them do drills, I was like, they're different. And it was you and Santonio Holmes. Like the two of you, <laughs> like just look different. You just look different. Like it, it's, it's yeah. hard to explain for people that don't watch football practice, but like football yeah. practice can be pretty mundane. And like, you can see guys going through the motions and stuff. 
Like you never do yeah. that. You were always out there working and like, it, it, I can just remember, you know, Carl Durrell out there working with you and you, you were, you were always working hard. And so if Robbie has you working with him, that's a good, good sign. And speaking of, of your playing career, where, where are you at now? Do you still want to play? Are you still you know, keeping in playing shape? Where, where are you at with your career right now? Yeah, I'm always in playing shape. You know, I, I take, you know, that you just said, I always take care of my body. Uh, this yeah. year was an interesting year for me. Uh, you know, I focused 100% on building my business and also um, broadcasting. Um, wanted my body to heal. Uh, I'm going to take the, probably the next next couple of months to figure out exactly which direction I'm going to go. Um, you know, it's, it's extremely hard, right? Even yeah. if you're in amazing shape and you feel good, you feel like you can do it, um, sometimes you may not get that opportunity. So, you know, I, I feel good where I'm at right now either way. Um, but, you know, this is a – you know, I, I played 13 years, man. I had an awesome career. There's some things that I, I, I wish I could have uh, accomplished and, and uh, some things I could have, uh, uh, you know, been able to feel. Um but I, you know, that's something that I just have to deal with, man. That's just, you know, that's 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 life. I chuckled a few weeks ago when the Le'Veon Bell bowling story came out, and which, you know, which our paper wrote. I was a co-author of that story, and then Le'Veon was tweeting about it, and you tweeted at him something like, "New York is different, man." <laughs> like, yeah, what, you played it. You played all over the place, Chicago, Miami, Denver. You've been in a lot of, you know, and Chicago and Miami are tough markets. They're tough media markets. Um, yep. But, you know, what was it like for you, you both Jets and Giants, playing in this market? You know what? Uh, first, I would say this. My 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 favorite experience, football experience was that, that was playing with the Jets, playing for the Jets, you know, with Fitz and Decker and Quincy. Mm -hmm. Um, I just felt like that year was magical. You know that, man. We didn't have a chance. We shouldn't have, yeah. you know, went as far as we did go. Um, you know, had the chance of going to the playoffs, going into Buffalo last game of the season. Um, but, um, you know, it was, you know, I always look at, you know, New York as, um, you know, I, I learned from Chicago. And I was able to take all those learning lessons and all of those, you know, the, the the few failures I had when it came to the media, and I really applied it there. You know, I, like you said, I'm a guy that's, you know, outspoken um, and always have an opinion. Uh, but you got to learn when to give that. You know, obviously I wasn't always perfect, but I felt like um, I did a good job of, you know, building relationships with you guys and, Mm -hmm. And I also value you guys, right? It wasn't one of those things where I was trying to manipulate uh, the system. It was, you know, you guys, I just viewed you guys differently when I left Chicago. I was like, they're not the enemy. Um, you know, if you treat, if we treat you guys right and we're just honest and we be ourselves, uh, then usually you're going to, you know, get the proper coverage. And, you know, I just embraced New York. I didn't. I never thought of it as a as a giant. I never thought of it as when I say giant, meaning this this big old market. Um, it was fun to me. You know, I loved it. Yeah. You know, I love playing. I love playing on Sundays, and I I love throughout the week being able to just talk to you guys. Um, yeah, I, you know, that's the that's the one thing I miss is playing with playing for the Jets and and and, and everything that came with it. 
Yeah, well, it's funny because we're we're getting ready to do our media good guy award. You know, at the end of the season, the beat writers vote on you know who's helps us to do our job the most. Basically, is what it comes down to. Who's been the you know the best to deal with? And you won the award in 2016 uh, from us, and so we have a plaque that we keep in the media room. So your name's always yep. there. <laughs> like <laughs> yep. that plaque, and we we always look at that plaque and we remember the guys who are up there and some of the stuff. So we're heading that award soon. You brought up. Uh, 2015 Brandon you're right that was a magical ride um Jets are ending the season in Buffalo next week so that game is going to come up this week probably oh, when, man. when you look back at that game like what what do you think happens <laughs> like there I know it's not, not an easy question to answer but I'm sure you've thought about that game a lot through the years yeah um on offensively um offensively our third our third, our, our third receiver at the time was seeing ghosts. Um, you know, the moment was too big for him. It, mm. it, I think it was only like 30 degrees, so it wasn't that cold, but he looked like he was cold. Um, and it came down to one play, the double post, all week, Fitz and Eric Decker and Coach Gailey. You know, well, Coach Gailey wanted double post. Fitz was so uncomfortable with double post. Uh, and all week they were in their they were in their own heads about double post, double post, and they just you know fit like he's going to talk through everything. He, he he's you know he, you know he he envisions every situation. So they're talking about how they're going to handle double post, double post, double post. And sure enough, we get into the red zone in the fringe area. We call double post. We're going to Eric Decker and uh, perfect coverage. But when you get in the tight, perfect coverage for us to call it. But when you're going against a savvy corner, you know, they kind of expect it, right? Um, And he played it well in those interceptions. So offensively, we knew it was going to be a tough game for us. But, you know, it came down to – to me, it came down to those things. Our third receiver and um, and double post, that that whole debacle. Um, And then defensively, you know, being brutally honest, you know, you had guys like Darrell Revis who, who just was stealing from us and, 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 you know, didn't show up, didn't get off the bus. And I was disappointed. Yeah. But Sammy that's Darrell Revis. Out of his way. That's Sheldon Richardson, uh, you know, the, the big guys that, you know, we were counting on, they didn't show up. So, yeah. Being brutally on honest. Him. Mahal Wilson broke his leg in that game, I think, right? That's the game he broke his leg in. Um, yeah, he was yeah, never that really was the same after that. Yeah, that was unfortunate. But, um, yeah, yeah that, that whole year on that defensive side, man, I, you know, if those guys um, were who we thought they were, um, you know, we probably would have went on to just crush the playoffs. Yeah, and it, I remember – so I, I go cover the playoffs even when the Jets don't make the playoffs. And the next week I covered Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, which that's where that's where the Jets would have played in Cincinnati. And Cincinnati had AJ McCarron at quarterback because Dalton was hurt. And I remember just sitting there like the Jets would have blown this team out. Like you guys would have killed Cincinnati. And like who knows what happens after that. So too bad. I'm sorry yeah. to bring you down bad memory lane here, Brandon. <laughs> way, I'm sorry. But you know, it is it it's a game. It's it's amazing because it's the last meaningful game the Jets have played. Like you know, they, they they've been terrible since then. And so it's like 
people go back to that key. People always go back to that game and that season because it hasn't, they haven't had a winning season since. So, so it's going to be a topic this week, but Brandon, I've, I've taken too much of your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, I loved covering you. Um, Brandon was one of the, Brandon was a guy. You didn't realize how good Brandon was until you watched him every day. And that 2015 season, I remember I was like, I was blown away, um, you know, and thought this guy's a hall of famer when I was watching him. So really appreciate it, Brandon. It was a pleasure to cover you. Hey, thanks B. You're a hall of famer, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. Take care. I hope to see you soon. All right. Thank you. That will do it for this episode of Gangs All Here, our New York Jets football podcast with the New York Post. Thanks to our producer, Jake Brown, for always making it happen. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms for the best Jets content. You can find more Jets news by signing up for our daily New York Post sports newsletter and by visiting nypost.com. We'll be back Thursday to preview the Jets' season finale in Buffalo. See you then. 